Um, great to be here with you guys this morning. My name is Jake. I, uh, I work here at the church and I have the opportunity to, to share, to bring the word. So uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a, a whole lot of Bible this morning. And check this out. I got a PowerPoint. So anyway, we're going to start from Mark 13. And if you want to pull that up, feel free, but I will have it up. I will have, actually have a PowerPoint this time. So feel free to pull that up if you have your own Bible or if you'd like to follow along. It's Mark 13. I'm going to be starting from verse 32. Um, and why don't we just quickly open up in prayer before I get really deep into it. So, hmm. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. Thank you for your grace in our lives and how we experience it every day, even in the small things. Thank you for your love for us. Yeah, Father, um, your word says that there's only one teacher, and, and that's you, and I just pray that you would teach us this morning. I pray that in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would be the one speaking and teaching this morning, Father. Would the glory be to your name, and would you change us? Would you teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Father, I pray that we would be just open to receive what you have to say. Would we be open in places that maybe we don't know we're closed? Would you speak to us, challenge us, encourage us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm very impressed with myself that I have a, have a PowerPoint. Is it readable? It's pretty small. Okay, maybe, maybe you want to pull it up on your phone. <laughs> I tried. All right, so it's Mark 13, 32 is where we're going to launch from. Um, so this is, uh, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's, he's, he's talking about the end times. He's just kind of finishing a passage, um, talking about the end of the world and when he's going to be coming back. And they're saying, no, no, he, um, He's, okay, so here's what he says. He says, but concerning the day, that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So he's saying no one actually knows when it's going to happen, but, but stay awake. And it, w when you read the Gospels, all of Jesus' teachings apply to us, right? Like he's speaking to people literally when he was on earth, but that's why we read the Bibles. We still glean from his teachings today. But what stood out to me when I read this verse a few years ago was that he's explicitly stating that. He's saying what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. He usually doesn't qualify it like that. It, it just, it kind of jumped off the page at me. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't normally, like, explicitly state it like that, that this is important, stay awake. So I remember reading that and just feeling, like, convicted. You know, it's not something that, you guys know what I'm talking about if you read the word. Like, sometimes it just jumps off the page and convicts you. I don't know what it meant. I don't know what it means to stay awake, but I want to stay awake. I don't know what that means, but it sounds important. I want that. You know what I mean? This is, this is what happened when I read this passage. And similarly, it happened um, in, in a passage in Revelation. Um, if you've read the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, uh, there's letters to seven churches. So this is after Jesus has died, he's risen again, and now there's churches of people all over the place that are Christians, they're, they're worshiping him, they love the Lord. And Jesus writes a letter in the book of Revelation to seven of them. And at the end of each of the letters, in the ESV translation, he's, he begins the conclusion with the phrase, to the one who conquers. Okay, so no matter where they're at, some of the churches are doing well, they're just being encouraged, they're in a good place. Some of them are being challenged, they're in a kind of a tough spot, they're being disciplined. But no matter where the churches are at, all seven letters end with a phrase, it's to the one who conquers. 
that will get the reward in some way, shape, or form. So let me read you one as an example. I've got to kind of flip back and forth here. That didn't work. There we go. So this is a for the church of Laodicea. It's in Revelation 3.21. It says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So it's, again, it's no matter where they were at, no matter all seven of them, it's to the one who conquers. He's calling them to something. It's the same thing as stay awake. It's don't fall asleep. You've got to conquer. Don't lose sight of that. So I, it convicted me in the same way. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it meant to, to conquer, um, but I wanted to know what it meant. I, I it just sounded important. Does that make sense? So that's what I want to talk about this morning is what does it mean to stay awake? What does it mean to conquer? Um, and I think fundamentally, what is this? Is it? Yeah, am I coming through okay? Yeah. All right, sweet. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Jason. All right. Um, so I'm going to talk about what it means to stay awake and what it means to conquer. And I think to begin with, what we need to understand is that he's speaking about something that's here and now to be lived in this life. Like if Christianity was just something that you prayed once and then you kind of resumed after you died, like you wouldn't need to stay awake or conquer. He's, t he's, he's speaking to churches no matter where they're at. He's saying, what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. It's important. It's for something in this life now, right? It's, it's the question we're asking is, what does it mean for Christ to live in me now? In Carlton Place today, my life that I'm going to live what does that mean? What does it mean to stay awake and to conquer in my life? It's not, Christianity isn't praying a prayer once and then taking a 70-year nap and going to heaven one day. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, that's the opposite of what he's saying. That's what he's calling us to. There's something to be understood. So when I think about this stuff, I just realize that I need a perspective change because in some ways I kind of, I don't see, am I coming through okay still? This thing is falling. Yeah, yeah. Can you guys hear me okay? All right, nice. Um, I just realized I needed a perspective change. There was something that I didn't quite understand. Like, I don't know what it means to have Jesus conquer in my life, literally in my life today. I don't know what it means to stay awake. And I'm going to show you a couple verses that help me understand that. I'm going to start with John 16, 7. Come on. There we go. John 16, 7, it says, this is Jesus speaking again to his disciples. He's talking about how he needs to die. He needs to die on the cross. He says, I need to go away. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want you to do that. We like when you're here. Like, and this is what he says. In, in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. So he's, they don't want him to go. Like, think about what Jesus was doing on the earth at that time, right? Everywhere he went, he's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's welcoming the brokenhearted. He's welcoming the children, the downcast. He's, he's turning the world upside down. Like there's hordes of people. Is my mic okay? It's not okay. This is brutal. Better keep it tight. It's a test, you guys. All right, all right, all right, cool. So his disciples don't want him to go because he's turning the world upside down. He's doing this crazy stuff. I mean, there's hordes of people from all over the world that are pressing in to see Jesus. Like, there's no more prominent figure in history than, than Jesus. That Like, the calendar, like, flipped. All of a sudden, we started at year one because, because of Jesus. I can just hold it. I can just hold it. This is funny. Yeah. Jesus didn't need a microphone. That's why they followed him. <laughs> he was really loud. <laughs> Crowds of 5,000 people, and he was still somehow heard. I don't know how that works. What? No microphone. What? Awesome. All right. Thanks, sound team. <laughs> Woohoo! 
Okay, great. So here's what happened. Jesus turned the world upside down. He was the most prominent figure in history ever. He, he's, he's healing people. He's doing crazy stuff. People are coming from all over the world to see him. And he's saying, I'm actually, I'm only, like his public ministry was only three years. He's saying, I need to die. I need to go away. In fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. Like, think about that. Think about how crazy it was with, with him as a person on earth. And it was, it was an upgrade. It was preferable that he would go away and that the Holy Spirit would live in us as Christians. That's, what, that's who the advocate is. So when you're born again, you're born into this new life. You're forgiven by the grace of Jesus. And, you're, and this new life that you live is life in the Spirit. It's God's Holy Spirit in you. And it was preferable that he would die so that that could happen than for him to keep turning the world upside down personally, just as one person. Like, that's, that's a big step. And, and the next one that's really important here, I wish I had a smoother way to do this. Here we go, John 14, 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Like, let's just let that sink in for a second. Like, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus healed the sick. He cast out the demons. These crazy supernatural things. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. Like when, that's just hard to believe. Let's just be real. Like, like, we're, like that's just hard to believe, okay? Like when we're thinking about what Christians are, what churches are in our culture, I don't know if we live that, right? So when I'm reflecting on my own life, I don't know if I see it like that. I don't know if I live that. I don't know if I see that what my life, what Christ in me, what this new life in the spirit that I'm living in relationship with him is, could be that. I think I'm selling myself short. You know what I'm saying? I think I'm setting the bar too low. I, th I think this is deeper. I think it's more life-giving. It's more fulfilling. It's more hopeful. It's, it's walking around like Jesus did every day. Do we believe that we can do that? Do we believe that anyone who believes in him can do that? Do we even believe that's possible? Or have we set a bar there? I think I set a bar there. I think I'm setting the bar of what Christ in me could be too low. I think there's more there. This is what we're talking about today. All right. Often my life looks like the church of Laodicea. So we're going to read a, a, a bigger part of that letter. I started off, I read you the kind of the, to the one who conquers. We're going to look at a bigger portion of that. All right, this is in a different translation, but I think my life often looks like the church of Laodicea, so let's jump in. It says, so this is, this is again, this is a Jesus-written letter to a church there, but it's left in the Bible because we can relate to it. It applies to us too, right? So, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will set... Sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So remember, it's to the one who conquers. It's the one who's victorious that's going to get through. We've got to conquer. We've got to stay awake. But often, like, think about where this church is at, okay? What, the, what, what's happened is, is they've become complacent. 
They're saying, I have everything I need. I, I, don't, I don't need a thing. I'm rich. They, they've stopped answering at the door. Jesus is standing at the door knocking, and they've stopped answering the door. And they don't actually see how they are. They're, they're blind to see where they're at. Jesus is saying, you don't, rec- you don't recognize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And he's not shaming them. He's not trying to say, you guys need to do better. He's saying, you're not even letting me in the door to change you. I'm trying to change you because I love you. I correct and discipline those whom I love. I, wanna, I want you to let me in so we can come in and share a meal together as friends. He's trying to change them. And they don't even see where they're at, but they've stopped answering the door. That's what it is to fall asleep is to stop answering the door. It's to lose sight of your need for Christ to come in and change you and, and to just say, I'm, I'm actually good. It's to, it's to have Christ and, and your relationship with God in a box off to the side. No, I'm good. What do you mean? I thought I was forgiven. Can't I just go on and sin? Like, what are you talking about? I, don't, I already prayed the prayer. What do you mean? What do you mean I have to keep doing something? Like, it, it's, it's to put him off to the side. It's to stop answering the door. That's what it is to fall asleep. To... And the other phrase I used was that it's the, to the one who conquers. What it is when you stop answering the door, it's, it's sin is conquering you. You're not, letting your, you're not letting God free you from the things that he's trying to change you from. You're letting sin conquer you. To conquer is to answer the door and let God come in and change you. It's to let God love you because he corrects and disciplines those whom he loves. He's trying to do this because he's trying to take us into life and life in abundance. Jesus said that I came that they might have life and life in abundance. Look, my whole thing this morning is I'm kind of sick of, like, I don't want to live stale faith. I'm done with that. I'm so done with having Christianity as, like, this heaven insurance, and then I just live my life on my own away from Christ, and one day I'll cash that check. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Christ in me is bigger than that. Christ in me is more powerful than that. I'm setting the bar too low, and I don't like that. I want to answer the door. (laughs) Jesus is at the door in our lives trying to change us into something greater than we even thought possible. Life and life in abundance. Like, who's not signing up for that? You know what I'm saying? Like, hello? When you're not letting God in, you're letting sin conquer you. You're clinging to something, and you're actually rejecting God's work in your life. You're, you're not allowing him to do what he's going to do. He's never going to barge in the door. He's given you free will. If you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. I'm just saying it's in your best interest to answer the door. And, yeah, it's in your best interest. Look, what did it, to, to conquer, okay, the question we're asking this morning, what does it mean to stay awake? What does it mean to conquer? To conquer is to answer the door and let God love you. You have to believe that it's love that he's at the door with. He's not coming with a rod to discipline you. He's coming to change you and sculpt you and to lead you into life and life in abundance. That's why he's at the door. To, to conquer, to stay awake, is to let him do that. It's to, it's to surrender. It's to let him do that. It's not something that we are doing or earning by our merits. It's actually to, just to allow him to work. It's so much more free and life-giving than we sometimes give it credit. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm going to give you guys two verses. If we can live these two verses, we're going to do really, really well. All right, the first one's Matthew 3, 8. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is not a prayer you prayed once. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. You bear fruit in keeping with repentance. 
So that's what it is. Jesus is going to knock on the door a whole bunch of times. You just keep answering it. That's what the Christian life is. It's a journey. You bear fruit by keeping with repentance, by keeping, letting him correct and discipline and guide you as a father. He wants to come in and share a meal with you as a friend. It's, it's letting God cook a meal for you. It's, it's keeping with repentance. Live repentance. Don't bank on something you said 50 years ago. Live this. That's what it is to stay awake and to conquer. Bear fruit with patience, Luke 8, 15. Write these down or something. They're, they're conveniently short. You know, that's great. Like Matthew 3, 8 and Luke 8, 15. Get those. These are great. Bear fruit with patience. It's a journey. It's a journey of keeping with repentance. It's patience. It's a life you live. I'm talking about decades. I'm not talking about like a five-month season of your life where, you know, you repent for a while and then you're all good. We all wish we were that. That's, that's partially why we become complacent is, oh, have I not let God refine me enough already? Like, geez, Louise, stop knocking at the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, I'm t- this, is the, this is the Christian life I'm describing is you bear fruit with repentance and you bear fruit with patience. Answer the door. It's not overnight. There is, a cr- there is incredible abundance of life available to us. Look, we need to... Here's the flip side. I said, I said we're selling ourselves short, and sometimes it's not that innocent. We are selling ourselves short, but sometimes what's happening is we're putting God in a box. Sometimes what's happening is we're clinging to stuff in this life, and we're not letting him love us because we're afraid to give up something else. You know what I'm saying? So some, sometimes it begins with repentance. Sometimes, I think we need to repent. I think I, I'll speak for myself. I think I need to repent of putting God in that box and seek him. He's not going to barge in the door. We've got to open that door. I need to repent of clinging to things in my life. Like, it, if God has good intentions for you and you have good intentions for you, who's going to be better at bringing good things in your life? Does that make sense? Simple. It's not complicated. Like, if, if you're trying to lead your life in a good way and God's will is to lead your life in a good way, who's going to do a better job? You know what I'm saying? So you trust him. He can see more. He's God. He's your father. He corrects and disciplines those whom he loves. You're his children. He's trying to lead you into good things. But we need to repent of clinging to stuff. We need to repent of not answering the door. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, look, I'm going to be real with you guys, and this might be a little bit harsh, but I, I, I'm not saying anything that I don't live myself, okay? I'm, I'm your brother. I'm not, like, up here preaching at you, okay? We're brothers and sisters in this room, all right? We're all on the same page. Look, sometimes we feel like we are trying and God is not showing up. Sometimes we feel like we are trying, and how many times have I prayed, and oh, great, now the guy's telling me i got to do something again. I'm going to pray, and he's not going to show up. Jeez, like, it's just so tiring, you know. Sometimes we feel that way, and, and, but the reality is that we're asking God for something, and we're not willing to follow him unless we get that. You're sliding God a conditional contract and asking for his signature, and you're not interested in all in what God has to say about your life. You're not interested in all in hearing about what his direction or his next steps for you would be. You're trying to get what you want, and you're not willing to follow otherwise. I I know that that's challenging. I'm not trying to be mean. I've lived that. I've tried to give God conditional contracts. It's not a good idea. What it is, it's surrender. You don't go to God and slide him a conditional contract. You surrender because he's going to lead you to good things. That's it. It's surrender, but that's hard. It's simple, but it's hard. You know what I'm saying? So it's, we can't approach him with our way or the highway. We've got to stop living the highway. I, I, I dare us 
to believe that what God will lead us into is better than what we're obsessed about asking for right now. I dare us to try that. I dare, I dare you to try surrender instead of conditional contracts. All right? Like, blank slate. All right, God. He wants to be the Lord of your life for a good reason. He wants to share a meal with you as friends, but the relationship is also one of a father to his child. It's kind of both. He wants to hang out with you every day. He's going to live with you as you bear fruit with repentance. He's going to live with you as you bear fruit with patience. This is what I'm saying. I'm describing the Christian life. It's like it's just letting him continue. It's continuing to answer the door, and he's going to lead you into good things. The, this is the challenging part. The pride that we have when we say, "I'm trying," and God's not holding up his end of the bargain is is look. God is gracious and merciful, but it's very prideful. God loves you passionately. He will not let anything stand between him and his children. He sent his son to clear the way, his son to die for you because he loved you so much. He, have you ever seen a parent that's missing their kids? Have you ever seen a parent that's afraid that their children is lost? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the click in their eyes, like the passion? I want you to imagine that on God's scale as he looks for his lost children. That's the fiery passion of love that God has for you. He is seeking for you like no one's ever sought you. He's holding up his end of the bargain. It's, I'm sorry, this is challenging, but it's us that's the issue. It's us. I'm not saying anything I haven't lived, okay? I'm not, I'm not up here. I'm with you, all right? He is seeking us passionately. He's at the door knocking. That's such an important part of that verse. We sometimes imagine like God's down the street, and he's just angry at us because we're not running out the door at him. And can we make it? We don't know. Just keep running. No, he's at the door. Like, answer the door. Like, it's simple. You know what I'm saying? Look, I, I dare us to, to give him a blank slate and surrender and see if he disappoints. I, I dare us to surrender and see if he doesn't lead us into life and life in abundance. I dare us to approach the conflicts we have in faith and start to think about where we're out of line and not spit on God by saying he's not holding up his end of the bargain. That's, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, if God's actually going to lead you into life and life in abundance, that's what you want. You don't, like, we don't realize it, but the stuff we cling to, the stuff that, we, that we're afraid to answer the door because he might kind of lead us away from, or maybe he wants something in our life to be in a different place, you know, like that's the stuff that kind of makes us hesitant to answer the door. But is that worth trading? Like is the life of abundance that Jesus Christ would live in you with, is that worth it? Like we've, I, this is the perspective change I'm talking about, right? Think about eternity versus 90 years. That's a long time. That's what he's trying to give you. The kingdom of God is gigantic. <laughs> it's it's freedom for the captives. Look at look at Jesus' life. He he walked around, he healed the sick, he freed people. Like this is the character of the God we're dealing with. This is the kingdom. When he's bringing the kingdom around him, this is what he's bringing. That's what he's trying to bring you into and that's the eternity. That's the big picture. We can't All I'm saying is I I'm just I'm in, I'm encouraging. I'm I'm begging us not to trade stuff that we're clinging to here for that. We've got to see that perspective. And here's a cheat code to life, all right? This is awesome. This is a life hack. Someone tweet this, all right? Matthew 7, 8. 
whoever asks receives, I don't have this verse, sorry, it's not up there. Matthew 7, 8, whoever asks receives and whoever seeks finds. Some of you this morning still may be feeling discouraged, like I can't, it's just, it's not clicking. I can't give you a perspective of how big heaven is versus the things that we're clinging to here. I mean, logically, you may understand, okay, yeah, sure, eternity is better than whatever I'm going to cling to here. But that's a revelation by the Spirit that, that changes that, okay? I can't bring that to you, Jacob. The Holy Spirit of God can. So here's a cheat code to life. Ask him for faith. Whoever asks receives and whoever seeks finds. He's at the door knocking. He's not down the street. He's not complacent. He is seeking you passionately. I dare you to ask him for faith. Ask him for the ability to see the stuff I'm talking about. Ask him for that perspective. He is on your side. The smallest of steps he's going to help you with. We can do this because he made a way. He made a way in Jesus. He, Jesus is alive today. He's still making a way every single day in us. This is the life that we're talking about with Christ. This is the life of Jesus. This is life and life in abundance. Don't live stale Christianity. Don't cash in on a heaven check 70 years from now. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up pretty quick. Yeah, I'm getting there. So I just, I need to say this. Um, don't let the enemy twist my message and say that what I'm giving you is a religious bar that you need to work towards. I'm not saying that you need to do more to earn this. What, what, when the enemy does that, when we get that in our head and we feel discouraged, like I can't live up to this, we're misunderstanding what Jesus has already done. Okay? Jesus saves us by his grace because he loved you that much. That's it. You can't work for it. It's not worth trying. That's what religion is. It's working to obtain it, but that, that's not what relationship with Christ is. That's not what faith is. Jesus saves you by his grace because he chose to love you. He didn't even have to. He created us. He didn't have to. He chose that. When you get firm in that, when you're firm in the root of the gospel that it was by his grace and his love that he even born you again, born you again, then the rest adds up. But that's where it starts. So just don't let it get twisted. I'm not talking about a religious bar. It's by the grace of Christ. What I'm talking about is what life in the spirit is after that. Because you're born again to live a life with him. It's a relationship that you live every day. It's not a 70-year nap. That's what I'm saying. So look, um, I'm going to wrap this up. If uh, like I said, we're brothers and sisters in this room. Letting, answering the door is sometimes just practical steps. Sometimes it's just allowing God to speak to you in his word. Like we struggle with that, but I dare you to ask him for help. Sometimes we struggle to read the word every day, but ask him for the drive, the time. Give him, just ask. Maybe start by asking. Let him speak to you in his word. Maybe it means, maybe that first step that you need to do to allow him into your life is getting a coffee with a mentor that's way overdue. You know, I don't know what that step is, but I'm just calling you to take that. Even if you don't even know what the correct step is, just seek him. Seek him is what I'm saying. No matter what that looks like, talk to somebody in this room. A lot of you guys are going to have to go, but if, if, if there's something that's really impressing on you, stick around and talk to somebody. There's going to be a lot of Christians around here that are cool to chat. Get a coffee with someone. But we're going to close. I just want to pray for you guys. If you're, if you're done with a 70-year nap... And, and you want to live life and life in abundance, I want to pray for you. Um, and I'm going to do the classic guy at the front thing, and I'm going to ask you to stand. Okay, if, you would, if you're okay, if you would like us to pray for you this morning, can, can we, I'll stand with you. Can we stand? Is that cool? All right.
Nice. Good return. Nice. Nice. All right. All right, guys, let's just, let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father, you change us. Jacob doesn't change anybody. God, you change us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We are, man, we are in need of you. We want to answer the door because your word says that you're knocking. No matter what that means in our life, would you help us to answer the door? Would you make it simple? Help us to see you. Help us to see you for the truth of who you are, that you're seeking us as a father seeks his children. Help us to see the truth of who you are. And practically, just in our weeks, help us to seek you. Give us faith. We don't, sometimes we don't want to seek you. Sometimes we're just obsessed with, like sometimes we're just caught in the motions. Help us to seek you, Father. Would you change us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Give us the strength and just give us that step to take. Let us answer the door and let you in. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your love. Thank you that what you're leading us into is not mean. It's freedom. It's peace. It's love. It's joy. It's living in hope. It's living with someone who's a father and a friend with you every day. It's living with no more loneliness. It's living with Christ. We want to live with you, Jesus. We don't want this to be passive. We don't want this to be passive. Would you change us this morning? Teach us to live with you as a father and as a friend. Teach us to answer the door and to let you speak to us in your word and in prayer and with community. Teach us to allow you to do that. And would we just come back and praise you every week in all of the things that you do and change in our lives. Your kingdom come and your will be done, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.